everybody, Robbie here, and welcome to episode 37 of the Coach's Journey podcast. And the guest in this episode is me. And the host is the fantastic Connor McCarthy of the First 10 podcast. Um, so the First 10 podcast is an amazing resource where Connor interviews business builders on their first 10 customers. So it's about um, getting into really interesting conversations about how fledgling businesses grow their first roots. And Connor invited me onto his show um, a, a year or so ago. Um, and gave me the chance to reflect on how my coaching practice began, how it evolved as a business uh, from the very first tentative steps to where I am today. Uh, we talk about my false starts, the training I did, um, the, the mountain of resistance I had to overcome in order to make connections with the world as a new coach and um, how difficult that was. And Connor's just an expert on exploring the subjects of how freelancers and bootstrappers and founders start and grow their businesses. And it was a real pleasure to be helped by him to... To retrace my steps and coax out key insights, and and those include in this episode finding first clients by borrowing successful pitches from other people, earning trust with a wider audience, experimenting with coaching formats in a low risk way, feeling resistance and using it as a signpost for the next steps, and using honesty to plant seeds for the long term. Um, we also talk about pricing and what it means to get comfortable talking about money. And as soon as we finished the conversation with Connor, I knew that it was a really valuable resource for me because I quite often get asked by new coaches, like, how did you get going? And this, as soon as we'd done this conversation, I knew this was the resource that um, that I would point people to in future. Um, and so it's great to be sharing it now on this podcast feed now, of course, some this this podcast has been aired on on Connor's channel before, um, and so diehard fans of me may have have caught it already and listened. Um, if that's you and you want a different um, uh, shot of uh, coaching podcast um, instead of this episode this month, um, then do check out um, the the interview valet list of of the top 20 podcasts for coaches, which amazingly featured The Coach's Journey alongside some friends of the show like Jamie Smart and Phil Goddard, amongst others. I think um, Coaching Coaching Uncaged, which is the podcast that Robert Stevenson used to host, is on there. Now it's hosted by somebody different because he's moved on from Animus. Um, but there's a whole list of podcasts on there, some of which I knew, some of which I didn't, that are definitely worth checking out if you want a shot of new content um, and you've heard this episode before. Um, the reason that I'm sharing this episode now, or one of them, is it felt really important to me to give myself some space from creating content for the coach's journey. So I got asked a great challenging question by Steve, who writes the copy for the for the show. What are your plans for the podcast? He innocently asked over dinner when we met up for a christening that we were both going to a few months ago. And it really got me thinking that I it's time for me to think about that again in a more serious way. And it, it felt wonderful to give myself a break from the pressure of um, of what I'm creating next for the podcast and that I had um, this month and next month uh, resources on content like this that some people won't have heard before that I want to give more chance uh, to air and, and, and get to more people. So um, I really hope you enjoy this show and that something similar will happen next month and then we'll, 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 we'll be creating more content um, again for the show later in the year. Um, and then just one more thing to say before we get into uh, the interview that, that Connor did with me. And that is that early in my business, one of the things I thought a lot about, so the kind of phase that we're talking about in this episode, and I can't remember if, how much we get into it in the in the conversation, but one of the things I was thinking a lot about is learning. Um, and as one of my clients said to me uh, just this morning, you know, learning is like a, a compound, it gets you compound results. Like when you're starting out your coaching business, and in fact, 
any business. I'm doing a talk uh, later in the month for, for Deutsche Bank talking about creating space for learning. And it's like one of the reasons I'm excited to talk about it is because it's one of the best investments you can make in yourself. And one of the things I was looking for at the start of my business was all the free opportunities um, to get learning about coaching. And one of the ones that I tapped into was the WBEX um, Coaching Summit. Uh, and they do a, they have a big coaching summit, which actually I never went to, but they have an amazing free summit where you get tasters from lots of leaders in the field. Um, and that starts between now and the next episode. So it starts um, in May, towards the end of May 2022. Um, and uh, you can join and sign up for that free pre-summit. And actually, you can, if you do it via a link that um, you'll find in the show notes um, or at thecoachesjourney.com on the episode page for episode 37, then it's actually a way of supporting the Coaches Journey podcast too. So if you're interested in that, like I really recommend it. It's a chance to get little tasters from some of the, um, for free, with no pressure to sign up to the full summit from some leaders in the field. Um, definitely check that out um and if you again if you do it by the link i don't think you can register until the 17th of may something like that but if you come back to the page then or if you're listening to it after that if you find that page um or find the link from the coachesjourney.com episode page for episode 37 um or in the show notes wherever you're listening then um that's a way of supporting the podcast too but that's enough from me um do go um i hope you really enjoy this episode with with connor and do yeah do go check out the other podcasts if you want to or um or the WBEX summit when when that's live and 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 yeah enjoy this conversation between Connor and me I hope it's really practical that's how I I wanted it to be um, and Connor does well to to draw that out um, including even and it's shared in the show notes again he asked for a, a resource and we, we get into so I've shared the the Facebook post that kickstarted my coaching business you can read that in some of the comments um in an image available again in the show notes. And I think that this was the first time that I spoke about my work in Connor compliments me on it at the start of the episode. And I think this is the first time I'd ever spoken about my work in this way. That that way of thinking about it had really just emerged. Um, and I use it quite a lot now. If people who are following my 100 podcast challenge will have noticed that. So um, it's a bit clunky um, and it's got smoother since then, but it, it's definitely there. And, and things starting off as clunky and getting smoother is pretty much the lesson that I learned from um, my coaching business and things will be clunky at the start and they'll get smoother and I hope you pick that up from this conversation so enjoy episode 37 of the Coach's Journey podcast You want that honesty and integrity to be present because you want to be planting seeds so that every relationship and interaction you have could lead to clients at some point and business at some point, in some way, even if it doesn't now. Welcome back to the First 10 Podcast. I'm your host, Connor McCarthy, and in each episode, I interview business builders on their first 10 customers, who they were, how they found them, how they talked to them, and what effect they had on their business, so that you can learn what worked and what didn't. When I'm not recording podcasts, I help business builders find their first 10 customers and grow their businesses. I do that with one-to-one coaching and a series of online workshops. Please do check out my website, connormccarthy.me, for more details and to sign up to my newsletter. I hope you enjoy this show. On today's podcast, I go deep with my guest, Robbie Swale, on what it takes to build a successful coaching practice. Robbie has been coaching full-time for the last six years. Uh, He got started after a career change led him to realize that the parts of his jobs that he enjoyed the most and excelled at was when he was inadvertently coaching people. So he took the baton and here we are today. In this episode, we chat about the early stage of the journey Robbie has taken to his well-established practice. In particular, we talk about how to find your first clients by borrowing successful pitches from others, 
creating a body of work that helps you earn trust with a wider audience, experimenting and playing with coaching formats in a low-risk way, and feeling the resistance and taking that as a signpost that that's the thing you need to do next. We also talk an awful lot about pricing. It's a really fascinating part of the discussion and what it means to get comfortable talking about money. So much of what we cover in this conversation falls under the banner of trust, both building it and earning it. Robbie has a great way of communicating the things that have helped him the most in getting to this point and keeping it simple. He's a really smart observer of himself and his work and has used that to create a business that provides value both to his clients and other coaches through his community for coaches called The Coach's Journey. Please do check out the show notes for links to all of Robbie's work, as well as a really useful resource that Robbie mentions in the podcast that he used to get his first three customers. It's actually really simple and really handy. Please do enjoy this podcast with Robbie Swale. So, Robbie Swale, first of all, thank you very, very much for taking the time to be with us here today. Oh, Connor, it's an absolute pleasure. You and I have been friends through the Akimbo universe for a couple of years now. And I was saying before we started recording, I have, I have, I feel like I've watched or heard or I've, I know so much about your coach's journey. So do you want to um, just tell the audience what you do? And then maybe we'll jump back in time and go right back to the start of how it all began. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do share a lot about what what happens in my work. And that has become a part of how I, how I operate really. Um, so what I do now, you know, I call myself a leadership coach um, at the top level, but really that's just my way of opening up conversations with the right people um, in the right way or hoping that I do that. There are kind of three parts of my work or three things that I'm interested in. Um, one of them is in some ways creativity. So it's like, why do people who want to do things sometimes not do them? And how can I help them do that? And that might be write a book, start a business, um, just you know change their career, start a relationship. You know any of these things that, that for some reason we often really want but don't take the action to do. And I partly got interested in that because that was me, and I found <laughs> some ways to work through that. And uh, then I got I get really excited when cool like ordinary people make cool things happen in their lives. So that's like one part. Another part is the kind of pure leadership part. So that's. Um, when someone is a successful leader in their organization or as an entrepreneur, like, but they, they're reaching some kind of uh, point where the way they've operated so far isn't going to take them to the next level of what they want, whether that's kind of bigger success or just a different quality to it. Um, I get interested in that. And, and at the moment, what I'm most interested there is how do leaders... So I, what I'm wondering if I'm going to call this, I'll say it to you and now your audience, uh, yeah. is like leading with honor. And what I mean by that is how do, like a lot of leaders seem to find, and they come to a point where they feel like to, to get to the next level of success, whatever that is for them, they have to compromise their values. They have to be like everyone else is being or, you know, play the game. And what I get interested in is how can we get to the next level without having to compromise our values? It's kind of staying true to true to who we are. And then the last part, which is the part where sharing my process um, comes up most, is I... I'm really passionate about the the world of coaching and what the, the craft of coaching has to offer the world. I think coaching, for those who don't know, is a form of one-on-one -on -one support. Really, it's about creating the conditions for people to do their absolute best thinking, um, be it their most creative. Um, and I feel like that's mostly, that's what leaders of the future and people of the future really need. 
in the complex, the increasingly complex world, and the pandemic's only made that more difficult. Um, tapping into our own inner wisdom is really what we've got, and coaching really helps people do that. And so that's why there's a part of my business, um, in some ways the most public-facing part, or you know, at the moment the one that's been most public-facing in the last couple of years, called The Coach's Journey, uh, which is a podcast, but it's also a community for coaches um, and a whole set of resources about the craft of coaching. And my aim there is to do my bit to help make sure there are the coaches in the world that the people of the world, the leaders of the world perhaps in particular, need. And that's some kind of you know, my attempt to some kind of, uh, in some way, encapsulate what I do. <laughs> no, no, no. You, that is brilliant. I, I wish I could encapsulate the things that I do so well. You, you, you do have a great sense of how everything fits together. Um, I'm guessing you didn't have that at the very start. That that's something you built over time. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, I should say that the way thinking about that start to now, you know, the way I talk about my work is really different. I think that you know, or has been really different at different times. I think that's probably the first public facing time that I've described it in that way, just to say that. Like, so I think that's really important, right? Like, um, we sometimes, you know, we sometimes hear what people say and think, oh, wow, like, if they've been talking about their work, like, that's an amazing way to talk about their work. But in some ways, I'm testing that right now. And it is all true. Yeah. But I'm in the process now. I'm about, um, I've been coaching professionally for coming on six years. And, you know, I'm really aware that over the last year or so, how I think about my work for the next phase is kind of coalescing, or I hope it is, or I need it to, or want it to. And yeah. that is where I've I've got to with that. And it does feel like it fits neatly with the things that I do. And it's nice to hear back that it sounds like that as well. Yeah, and it, it sounds very um, values-driven. It, sound like, it doesn't sound like you're, you concocted this and you're just using it. It sounds like it's something you've put a lot of thought into. And I'm, uh, like as your clients must feel like there's a sense of, oh, this guy really aligns with, with what he's preaching. You know, there's, it must instill confidence in your clients to hear this. That would certainly be my, my hope. Yeah. I think that probably, you know, maybe from, from Seth Godin and, and his work, you know, but, but from early on in the journey, I kind of realized that in the long term. The only the only thing that was really going to work that wasn't going to be exhausting was to kind of be myself and to be, do that as skillfully as I could and show up like that, um, particularly in my line of work. But I think it's probably true for many um, kind of many of the businesses that people run, you know, especially online, especially you know today, um, that doing anything else would would get exhausting in the end. There, people would see the flaws in it. Like the, 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 if you concoct something, then in the end, you're going to, you're going to make a mistake in how you've concocted that if you're playing a part. Um, and if you're, but if you're being yourself, you're never going to make a mistake. It's always going to be coherent, even if it's coherent in how messy it is, which, which it definitely has been at times. And what I think is interesting about the way I just described my work in some ways is that it is, it, although a lot of thought has gone into it, it hasn't come from that thought. A lot of the times come from what am I doing? And, you know, therefore, if, if, if my interest in creativity and my interest in leadership and my interest in coaching are to make sense, other than them just being what I'm interested in, how do they make sense? And that's, in a way, that's where that description came from. I love that. Th thanks for going into it a bit more. I do find it fascinating. Just there, there are three great pillars of, of, uh, of work that you do. So to, to go back, I mean, as, as I said, like this is something you've developed over time. But back in the, the early days, six years ago, five or six years ago, um, how was it 
when you started out to get your first 10 customers as a coach? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I wonder if this is when I kind of learned that thing or was learning it as well. You know, it's kind of always it's interesting to, to reflect back. So yeah, I'd like, um, I'd essentially been, I was probably a couple of years into a career change by this point. So I'd kind of, I, my background was really mixed in the first decade or so of my career, but it had a I was coming out of leadership roles in arts and culture in the UK. That's that's what I'd done. I'd run some some small arts organizations, um, which I think, you know, which did feed into what I what I'd done, but I realized that wasn't for me. And I was looking for something which which where I really enjoyed the actual work. And I'd kind of realized that for me, that was something about people. Um, and I had, uh, you know, partly I realized that because although I was a bit of a mediocre line manager, um, the time when I had conversations with my staff that I managed, we loved that. I loved it. They loved it. Um, and although I didn't do it often enough, that's one of the things that made me mediocre. And we didn't follow up on those conversations enough. When I look back at that, I, I could see that that was some of the, some of the times that had really fired me up. And at some point I had the insight, well, what if I could do that more of the time? And then I dotted around and I did, and I, you know, had a few false starts. You know, for example, I had a false start in counseling and psych. In fact, I had a false start with coaching, actually. And then I had a false start with counseling and psychotherapy. And then I came back to coaching and I found a training course and some people that, that were really my people. Um, uh, and unfortunately, that, that was a startup and it's now resting. Uh, so I can't send people directly to that. It was called the Coaching School in London. Um, but uh what happened for me was I then found that training and I wasn't sure that I was going to become, become speech marks, a coach, that that was going to be the work that I did. But I knew that that those that coaching, those coaching skills that they were teaching me would be useful wherever I ended up in the future, because I knew that I was going to want to be working with people in some way. So even if I went back into leading organizations, I knew those skills would be useful. And what was great about them was that they, um, <laughs> they, in the first, uh, first weekend of that training, I think it was two or three days, their aim was set us up so that we could go out and start coaching people because the best way to learn is by doing. Um, and um, I still think that's the case. And whenever I'm speaking to coaches now, it's like, well, one of the things you need to do is make sure you're coaching. Um, and they, you know, basically they sent us off then after that weekend to do it. And it was like, you know, I was like, I don't really know how to do this, but Phil, who founded the coaching school, Phil Bolton, I think he sent us a like a Word document with suggestions on how to do this, including with basically, I can't remember if it was an email template that he gave us or a Facebook message. But the first customers I came that, that came into my business came from that essentially. I took his language from his thing. I put a post on Facebook, um, and uh, and. You know, essentially the language there was something like, I'm doing this new thing. I'm doing some training. So it's like, take the pressure off myself a bit. I'm doing some training in, uh, in this thing called coaching. I'm looking for some people to become practice clients uh, to work with me for a nominal fee. And that putting the nominal fee was important for me because I knew I'd never sold my time before. And I kind of knew from reading a little bit and hearing from other people who'd done similar things that that might be a like real growth area for me, which it absolutely has been, you know, the sales process that it's going to cost X pounds to work with me for Y sessions or months or whatever. So I started with, I, I you know, put in that there was going to be a nominal fee from the start. I didn't say what it was. Um, I will in a sec. Um, and 
Uh, and then I gave what I thought was some really vague, I had no idea who I wanted to work with. Right? And, I, uh, and I, so I, I had, this, so I put some, what I thought was some really vague descriptions in after that. And kind of, I can probably dig out a picture of this or a, like, I could probably dig out this Facebook post and, yeah. and, and, and share it because it, it's interesting. And what happened was I got some, you know, and I, I really remember the, the anxiety uh, of hovering over the, the post button on Facebook at this moment. And I'd been reading The War of Art. Um, so I think, I'd, you know, I had this weird thing where my brother gave me it for Christmas, I think that year. And um, if people don't know this, it's a book by Stephen Pressfield, amazing book. Um, uh, and I, my brother gave it me, to me for Christmas that year. And I found that I already had it, but I'd never read it. So it's like, I then had two copies. I was like, okay, the universe is sending me a message. Yeah. I better read this thing now. Um, and one of the things he says is where you feel the most resistance. That's like the most important things for you to do. And I was sat there feeling like utter kind of anxiety and fear about coming out as a coach, basically. <laughs> yeah. And luckily I'd been reading The War of Art and I was like, well, Stephen Pressfield says you got to do the things you're really scared, of, scared yeah. of. I better do it. And I pressed post and I got a beautiful reaction, you know, um, I got the rush of like adrenaline from having done it. And then I got a really nice reaction. And actually the first, I think three, uh, clients, customers that I had in my business came from that post and they were people that I, they were people that I knew, um, like one was someone I'd been in a play with, uh, when I was like a community and amateur play, when I lived in a different city, one was somebody who was a kind of friend, old friend, but who I wasn't seeing regularly. And one was someone who I'd worked with on a project a few years earlier. And that's where they came from. And then there was some process that happened after that before they became clients. But, you know, the positioning started from that. It started yeah. from vague. And it was something about, like, I think there were three bullet points. Maybe it's a pretty similar, actually, in some ways. There were kind of three bullet points, but they were really vague bullet points. It was like, people who might want to make a change in their career, because I've been thinking about that a lot. And so I thought maybe that's who I want to help. Something else, and people, who, or, or and then a catch-all, or people who are just going through a change and think this might be useful. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's where the first three came from, and that was the first vague bit of positioning uh, that I did. That's uh, it's this, that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that because I, I had a similar thing. I, I I don't know if I if I did the the widespread Facebook posts, but putting out those first tentative messages, those nerve wracked messages is, is part of the, the, the coaching coach's journey, I guess. Is there anything about that first contact that you think really worked? Like what was it? And, and to your point, like there was, it was vague and there were, there were, it had some issues, let's say, but something in there made those three people say, I'm going to give this a go. What do you think it was? Yeah. I mean, my feeling actually is probably that it wasn't in the message. And this is actually might be a really useful thing for people to hear. There's an extent to which I don't think the message mattered. I think what mattered was that it was me who was posting it. And the reason I say that is that one of those people, their comment was, and I remember it because it was like kind of important to me in the journey, was like, wow, I'd love to do this with you. And I heard, I don't know if she, I don't think she put you in caps or anything, but I, I, I heard the, the caps or the, the italics on the word you. Hmm. Um, and so my suspicion is, you know, it was like that the important things were there was something out there, i.e. they couldn't have said yes if I hadn't posted it. And they, I suspect that none of those three would have thought to look for a coach. 
spontaneously. It might be a bit different now, but I think for those three, it probably wouldn't have been. It's just like the situations that that we're in right now. Yes, a series of conversations with someone who's doing some training to help people through periods of transition or 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 leadership challenges or whatever. Those like I want to have some conversations with someone like that. And I can imagine that Robbie would be a good person to to do that with because I already know him. Like this wasn't the first contact with these people. The the contact had happened. Like I said, I I knew them all reasonably well. Yeah. Albeit I wasn't in their life day to day. Okay. Yeah. That's a really that that's so important because all all the all the nervous energy goes into the message. Um and of course the best place to start when you're starting out is like who do I know? Just who's in my circle and through Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever it is. But yeah, just considering who who do I know that this would be just that extra nudge that they would need that I, maybe, you know, you don't know that they're going through something and they, they need some help, but how, how do you think the framing of, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this, this practice. Do you think that helped as well? Or was it, was it just the good timing thing? Yeah, I think it probably did. I think, you know, there's like a gentleness to that which is different to, here's my business, I'm looking for clients, come and <laughs> yeah. please pay me, right? Which is a really yeah. different feeling. Mm-hmm. And I also don't know, like, I imagine, I'm not sure about those three, but I imagine that the fact that it was that it was a nominal fee mm-hmm. made it easy for them, actually. Oh, um, okay. And, you know, I don't... Better to have had that, like my feeling about fees early on is better to have had the clients and had them pay you something than to have not had the clients mostly. Like the experience of working with those three, and we could talk a bit about that, you know, framed how I worked with people from then on. You know, I really have iterated both the enrollment process and the structure of my engagements as I've gone on through the work that I've done with different people. And I, I took so much, I was paid in so much more than money. So they paid me. Two of them paid me £180 for six sessions. So like £30 a session, which is like €35 Euros or $40 or something like that. Yeah. So it's not, it's not nothing. <laughs> it's not far off nothing. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it like learning that, that piece and, and having that experience of them paying me, you know, I think one of them negotiated even on that. Okay. So it's like got me down to £25 a session. Um, yeah. And that, but that was an important part of it. Why did you opt to charge something and not nothing? And I asked because, of course, the obvious thing is like free coaching sessions. Yeah. And I kind of, again, essentially it was because I didn't, I knew that I wanted to, like that learning about charging was really important and having the conversations about money was really important. I needed to get used to that. I wanted to do it as fast as possible because I knew that if I was going to do this, I wanted to learn that as fast as possible. Um, and so I can talk to you, I can talk about what I then did. The next phase is a bit interesting. So I had these conversations with these people and the enrollment process I used was again, what I'd learned from Phil Bolton at the coaching school, which was to, you know, essentially was to have a conversation about, about the work, about what we might focus on over the coaching that we did. Um, and then, you know, to use that as the sale. So really it was like, create the set of objectives that we will work on over, let's say, three months of coaching together. Um, 
And it actually went really well. Like it was miraculous. I couldn't believe it. Like you, I didn't really know what to say with the first time, the first, when the first person said yes, you know, it's like, that's one thing to prepare yourself for. It's like, <laughs> what will you say if someone says yes? And what will you say if someone says no? And just have that in mind. Cause I didn't really know. And I had kind of practiced what I was going to say a little bit before those conversations. Um, but those first three, it may have been even that the first five all said yes. Um, which was then a really strange, um, yeah. <laughs> like a really strange thing. And, and you know, part of it was probably that I was charging not very much money. And then I had a series of no's. And that made me really think about how I, how I charged um, and what I did in my enrollment process. Probably before I get to that point, it's worth saying the other thing about charging from the start is you get used to working with people where they have skin in the game. Um, so it's like, at the time, I was working full-time alongside this. I think it was a really smart, I didn't know this at the time, but it was a really smart thing to charge some money because um, it just made it that bit more likely. This is what charging money to people does. It made it that bit more likely that they show up. It made it that bit more likely that they take it seriously. It made it that bit less likely that they disappear off the face of the earth. Um, although one of them only took up five of the six sessions that he'd bought. You know, so that's, that's interesting too. Um, but getting used, if you're going to charge someone money for something, for me, it was really important to get used to charging someone for money and experiencing that. Do you, would you say now you're comfortable with talking about money with clients or? Yeah, Hmm. I am. Um, and that has been a process and my rates rising has been an incremental process and playing with that. I'm still playing with that. Like I said, I'm thinking a little bit about how my work looks from a public facing point of view at the moment. In fact, for instance, if people go to my personal website, robbieswellcoaching.com, they won't find those three things that I described at the start of the call described in that way. Yeah. So I am thinking about all that. And as part of that, I am thinking again about how I speak to potential clients and how I charge for my work and where that sweet spot is and all that kind of thing. But yeah, it's absolutely been a journey where I am now pretty you know, pretty comfortable in basically all situations talking about money and coaching. That's, uh, yeah, I think being able to talk confidently and easily about money is not only good for yourself. And I think there's a lot of work to get to that point, as, as you've alluded yeah. to. But it also helps because I often find when I'm talking to my clients about how they sell their services, if being able to share some ways to think about pricing or ways to help their clients understand value which of course is different from price um it's it's it feels like one of those life skills getting comfortable with money and and whenever i meet students in workshops i teach and stuff everyone is so nervous to talk about money and usually the the default is i'll i'll just charge cheap i'll I'll go i'll go down down scale yeah and and there are lots of reasons why that might be sensible but uh you know there are also lots why it might not be um, yeah. and one of them is, you know, like one, I remember one of the key moments in pricing for me was kind of flipping it, you know, in fact, it was always a part of that. It's like, how, how do I want my work to look like how many people do I want to work with? Or how many times do I want to have to get someone to get to the point with someone where they say yes in a year. And, you know, actually 
one of the reasons I started, there were a few reasons why I'm, the length of my engagements got longer. Partly it was the complexity of the challenges of the people I was working with or loving working with. Partly um, it was noticing that sometimes the short engagements didn't have the sustained change for people. Like they, it, it, I wasn't with, like we weren't doing the work long enough for them to embed the change they had. But part of it was, well, I, you know, if I'm selling coaching to people six sessions at a time, I can't remember. I don't know what the sums would be, but I'm going to have to sell it 30 times a year. To, yeah. to have to have the client the solid practice, whereas if I'm selling coaching to people uh, twelve months at a time, I'm going to have to sell it five times a year, and that's a really different thing, and and totally. it, it makes the whole process feel really different. Mm. Um, yeah. Now there are upsides and downsides to that, but uh, that was a frame that really helped me, and it helped me also realize when I when I didn't need to raise my fees anymore. Because, you know, at first you kind of know, I knew if I was charging £30 a session, I was going to have to raise my fees. They were going to have to keep going up to make it a sustainable business. But but it also helped, you know, I got to a point where I was like, oh, actually, I don't need to think about raising my fees anymore. Because if I sell five, engage, five 12 months engagements a year at these fees, plus I'm doing, because I do have other work that I do for other companies and training and facilitation work. If that all adds up, that's, a, that's perfect for me. That's all the money I need. I, I, you know, so actually I can now chill out about Pricing, which is also a nice place to be. <laughs> That's so true. That's a really good point. Go, go right to the end and do some back, back of the napkin maths is, that, is an important step. And that is a really important step. Step. It was so useful for me. Um, I, I think that people, one of the things is people get kind of frightened of money so much so that they avoid doing the thinking. Whereas actually, well, usually when you do, the, my experience personally was when I do the thinking about money, the back of the envelope stuff, things get less stressful. And this is true about money in my personal life. It's true about my coaching practice. It's like, if I work out, if I'm stressed about money, I wanted this great insight that what drained me of energy was not being stressed about money. It was being stressed about money and doing nothing about it. And so actually, you know, then that was the insight which helped me get my personal finances much more in order and, and, my, and my business ones. But, you know, for example, a thing I really recommend, which again came out of my, uh, as part of my coach training, I got some coaching from a professional coach and we ran an exercise together, essentially mapping out the next, you could do this for any number of years, but, you know, you, you think about an end game, a reasonable end game in the next five years, say, but I think mine was two years. It's like, how much money do I want to be making, by, and including money, you know, and it's how much money do I want to be making from coaching in two years time? And then work back on that, you know, draw it out on a big bit of paper. So, if, okay, if this is where I am in, in two years and I'm working with this number of clients and this many people and this much money is coming in, where do I need to be in one year? And and where do I need to be in, in six months? And where do I need to be in, in like 15 or 18 months? And actually, when I drew that out, I really remember this. It's like, oh, that's cool. Again, I can chill out about where I am right now because yeah. I am where I need to be. And as long as in, you know, 12 months from, from now, from say, so six months in, I'm, I can chill out because I only need to get to here by 12 months from now. And actually having the figures there, I think mine was like, I'd love to be making 20,000 pounds from coaching in two years time. And so if I work back from that, okay, well that I need to be there and there and there and there and there and all that again, yeah, help me think about not only how I was going to price my coaching over the next two years, but also mostly it helped me relax and remember that this is not, this is a long game. I don't have to get everything done um, in the next 10 minutes. So interesting. What it's, it's, it's not the first place that a lot of people would start with the, with the numbers. Um, even though it's in the back of everyone's head, it's a kind of constant worry for the most part it's like am i charging enough or how am i going to make this work etc but what you've described there you know of figure, figuring out the end goal and working backwards 
and then realizing, oh, to make this amount of money doing this type of coaching at this rate, then I need X amount of people. And then that influences your marketing and sales because if you only need five people a year, you to meet five sales, that totally changes how you go go and sell yourself and go and market yourself in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the price point you choose a different points again it's like you know when you've got the number there it's it's great because you can say okay well 20,000 pounds is is four people paying me 5,000 pounds or 20 people paying me 1,000 pounds and if i was charging 1,000 pounds what would i offer and if i was charging 5,000 pounds what might i offer and i don't think i did that thinking at that point but that's certainly the kind of thinking that i've i've mm. done as time has gone on i hope you're enjoying this episode and that there's some actionable and insightful advice that you can take out to your business Helping you identify and create those first 10 customers is what I do. So if you like what you hear on this podcast and want more information, including a bunch of free resources on how to find your first 10 customers and grow your business, check out first10podcast.com, that's 1010, or find me on Twitter at thefirst10pod. Now, you probably hear what I'm about to say on every podcast you listen to, and it makes a really big difference to the show. If you find this podcast in any way useful or enjoyable, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review on iTunes. It really does make a big difference in terms of other people discovering the podcast. Also, if you leave a review, you will get to see your name and the review in lights. What I'll do is I'll design your words and post them online, tagging you and your project along with it. I know, it's a pretty sweet deal. Okay, let's get on with the show. So after the first three what were the next few like? Can you remember? Yeah. So the next two were referrals. So oh. I don't know if they came from that message. Now, one was from someone on my coach training. So it was like her then boyfriend, I think. One was uh, one was a work colleague of mine, my wife's. Um, and, you know, I was starting to flex. I did something, I did a slightly different engagement with her, although I think the price point was the same because I was starting to get this sense, you know, I wanted to sell her the coaching. <laughs> and I realized that the thing I was thinking I was going to sell her wasn't it. And that was a kind of clunky conversation that I'm much better at having now. But when you realize that she does want coaching, I do want to do that coaching with her. But this six session engagement that I sold to the first three people is really not what she needs. It was, I remember it being a clunky conversation, hmm. but I think we just did two sessions together. And that was interesting, right? Because right. And again, a bit like, so both the positioning and the ways of working, I kind of encourage people to experiment early on because I had no idea who I wanted to work with really or how I wanted to work. And how could I? I hadn't done any work with anyone. Um, and the way that I learned that over time and the way that I got to speaking about my work a bit like I did at the start of this call or like I might to a client now is by, uh, by playing with things as we went on. So I had those two. And then I had, it's definitely worth saying, I then had this series of no's, um, including like one that I just remember being like, I had one where someone said yes. So I'd had a series of no's already. Then I finally had someone say yes. And then no. Uh, and that was like, the, hell, the, the that's the, probably the moment, like one of the moments I remember most clearly from the journey, sitting on the sofa, basically going hot and cold, like absolutely heartbroken about it. It's just like, well, this is never going to work. You know, it's those kind of, that kind of catastrophizing that, that most of us are prone to do sometimes. And I could talk about that a bit, but a kind of key moment in this process, which is definitely worth talking about for me, was I went on a, a kind of an online uh, coaching summit 
with an organization called Coaches Rising. And as part of that, there was a woman called Carolyn Freya-Jones who um, who ran a session. I can't remember the title of the session, but I I asked her a question on that call, um, which which was like, this is what happened. I've just, I just got in the office building that I worked in, I'd got them to send out to everyone a version of my Facebook post. Oh, so wow. this was cool, right? It was like, yeah. I knew I could only do this once, right? But but it was a great opportunity. I'm doing this training. I'm looking for practice clients, nominal fee, same sort of message. And I got some interest. I think I got three or four, maybe even five like prospects from that. None of whom became clients. And I was basically in this space with this woman and, and I asked her that question. I was like, this has happened. What can you tell me about how I can make sure that doesn't happen again? <laughs> yeah. And she just, she refused the premise of my question, which was great and gave me a much better answer, which is she essentially suggested a way, because what was happening for me is I've only got this one shot with these people and this mailing list. Like, I don't want to mess, mess it up. Yeah. And she is, saw that basically and gave me a, another thing, with, which is instead of doing that, like, what if there isn't just one shot? And what if you just reach out to people and do something completely different? And, and she basically dictated an email to me, which I then went back to the recording of, took down. And that became the process through which the next couple of clients came. And that, that, that process was something like, uh, that email was something like, you know, I got this advice from another coach. Uh, anyone listening can can use this, right? It's it's from Carolyn uh, to me to you, and you can say that I gave the advice on this podcast that you listen to. Um, to sit and think about who are the people that I'd be most inspired to do some coaching with, and I thought of you, and then you tell them why you thought of them and why they they inspire you and why you were inspired to do that. And so, what I'd like to do, uh, this is still the email. What I'd like to do is offer you a coaching session as a gift from me. Um, there's no pressure for it to become a uh, for you to become a client. That's not what this is about. I just felt inspired to reach out to you. This is something I can offer right now. And please know it's totally okay if you say no. And then the, the beautiful thing about that is you can do that as many times as you want forever. <laughs> now I haven't done it that much recently, but I do do it occasionally mm-hmm. when I get really caught by someone. Yeah. And when the first person said yes through that process that felt entirely different to me because suddenly that's then something that is repeatable. That It suddenly felt then like creating my business is within my control. Uh, whereas before, and I think this is what Carolyn Freya-Jones spotted in that question, it's like, I've got this one shot at sending out these emails to people. If I don't do it, my business is stuffed. Um, so it's really then, again, it's a bit like when you've got the long game in mind, you can, the pressure is off. Hmm. Um, so a bit yeah. like the pressure is off for me in terms of raising my prices. I'm interested in the pressure being off in my sales conversations. Yes. So it's like, if the pressure is really on, because I've only got these four people and I, if, I, if they don't say yes to me, I don't know where my next client is coming from. Hmm. It's really hard to sell something to somebody or it is for me. Uh, uh-huh. uh, whereas if yeah. I know that I can send emails to people, that the, the pressure is totally off on this conversation, but I know, and this is what happened with one of those first people I sent that email to, um, she actually said, I don't, I'm not sure I want to have a coaching conversation yet, but can we have a coffee? And then we had the coffee. And then I, she was like, actually, yeah, I think that coaching session would be great. And then we did that. And then miraculously, now this is really tough because you've got to go into that exchange. Um, you've really got to go in not trying to create 
a client from it, trying to have a sale. <laughs> yes. if, you, if you say one thing like, oh, there's no pressure to become a, a client, but actually what you want is them to become a client, it won't work. If yeah. you're really there and uh, with integrity saying, you don't, we don't have to become a client here. I just want to coach you. Um, then that's beautiful. And sometimes it might lead to some work. Um, but if it doesn't lead to work, it leads to loads of really useful stuff. And in the early stage, I knew all this was worth it. So it leads to experience. Not only that, but it particularly it leads to experience coaching people that inspire you. And that is such a useful piece of experience. Or it leads to people, I also did another one who didn't become a client with someone who I thought would inspire me. And it was one of the most boring coaching sessions I'd ever done. <laughs> and um, that's really useful because then I know that that's not the per- kind of person that I want to do more coaching with. Um, but it also, so it pays in experience. Um, it also pays in um, potential for referrals. And when early on, building up that base of people who might refer people to you, that's an incredibly valuable thing to do. Uh, so another invitation that Carol and Freya Jones in that call gave to somebody else, I think, was uh, I'd, it was gifting coaching or any service that you have, you could do this with, to people who know and trust you already and might make referrals who have got great networks. Because the best way for them to make a referral is to have actually experienced what you do. They yes. can make a really different referral at that point to, to just kind of the sense of what, what you do. And so a, a, a smart technique is uh, you can just ask the people who, who you know have got great networks for referrals, people who really trust you, really believe in you. But a, a really smart idea, and again, an entirely repeatable thing that you can do forever, um, is sit down, think about the five people who know you and trust you, like at least to some extent, and have amazing networks of people you'd like to be connected with, and gift them an experience of your work. Uh, with the specific and explicit aim, and tell them this up front, that they might then refer other people to you. Do you want to make that real for people? Because it's what I think is weird is that I sometimes get asked, is it okay if I refer someone to you? And I'm like, well, uh, yes, that's really the only way my business ever works. So please do. But people somehow don't know that. Um, And so explicitly telling the people that you want to people to refer, uh, the people you want to refer people to you, yeah. uh, that you want referrals is one level. And another level is gifting those, those sessions to people. Wow. Uh, everything you said in that last little bit is full of really useful information. And there's one or two things that stood out to me were, you know, <laughs> funnily enough, honesty is the best policy. By, by going to people and saying, you know, I'm building a coaching practice, no string session, you're someone who inspires me. I would love, my goal is to coach people like you, but right now I'm still building towards that. There's something really beautiful about that simplicity and, as I said, the honesty of it, because they're going into it, not going, oh, there's going to be a, he's going to make an ask and there's going to be money, again, money conversation, and it's going to be weird. You're just kind of going, no, this is, this is, this is exactly what's going to happen. So almost don't be afraid. I really, I really appreciate that, that approach. Yeah. And I think it's really important, um, you know, actually, because uh, especially in the work that I do, you know, the, the kind, of, kind of coaching that I do, it works best when people trust you. Um, if people don't trust you, uh, and mo- it, it's because of the way the world is um, at the moment, like, or the way that, especially the way the world has been, I think it's hopefully people like us are beginning to change it. You know, sales has been, you know, we expect to be hoodwinked. We expect someone at the end of the call to try and sell us something, often in a kind of clumsy, slightly oppressive way. 
Yeah. Um, and so to to hold that that isn't going to happen, and I would, do, you know, in those sessions, at the start of those calls, really remind people of why you're here, explain what's going on. You know, explain, remind them that, like, don't worry, I'm not going to try. I, I sometimes say it, don't worry, I'm not going to try and, like, hoodwink you with a sale at the end. I like to say that up front so that you know that, so that you can relax. Um, because that sense of honesty is really important. It helps people relax. And it, I think it does make it more likely that people then want, want the thing that you're selling them because they know it's their choice. They know they're not like, I don't know what you're like, but if I get a call from like a cold call person and they're, put, they're doing the hard sell, the sales technique stuff on me at the end, I get more likely at that point to say I need time to think because I really don't want to be rushed into buying something I don't want to buy. Whereas if they're not doing that at all, I'm free to be curious. Um, which is which is really important. And the other thing about honesty, I think the thing to say is like, and this is in both those both those invitation frames, the ones people who inspire you and the ones for referrals from people that you that you know. It's like plant seeds for the long term. And honesty is a way to plant seeds for the long term. Because you want I, I realized that I wanted to leave every like so what I didn't like about the kind of sales conversation that wasn't a gift of a coaching session. And what I should say about my sales process is it became that a gift of a coaching session was the start of my sales process always. Coaching someone plants a seed for a referral or for future work because they really know what working with me is like. A sales conversation without a coaching session didn't do that in the same way. So like in that early phase, it's really helpful to think really long-term if not really long-term, then then two, three, four years out. Because then each interaction looks different. And what I realized is not, not only was it good for me to coach as many people as possible at the start, because it just helps that referral ecosystem start, but the honesty throughout that is really important because every time, and there have been some, there are some relationships that I, that have broken because for me because of badly handled conversations that could have led on to referrals and now won't because I wasn't skillful. Um, because I was learning. And, but, but that overall, you want that honesty and integrity to be present because you want to be planting seeds so that every relationship and interaction you have could lead to clients at some point and business at some point in some way, even if it doesn't now. And that's kind of the structure of which that, that principle has really helped me to think about how to structure my enrollment process, how to structure my engagements. Because if what I want is to always be planting seeds for future work, that's really different to what I want is to get some work right now. So well said. I love that. Yeah, having having a system and not putting an inordinate amount of pressure on the next call, the next email, the next interaction. Just kind of say, no, I'm in this for the long haul. So what can I do now to... to the analogy of planting seeds is, is brilliant. And that's... You, you, I think you're you're very good at that. Is To get really technical on it, do you have a way of... Um, kind of managing your relationships? Do you kind of track or do you keep everyone in some kind of a database or how do you, you've got a lot of people in your universe? Yeah, I mean, nothing kind of as systematic as uh, as I might have, I guess I'm aware in this moment, as you asked that, I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of could. Now, part of the reason for that is that I haven't prioritized it. So what I do, the things that I do, I do have a log of everyone that I've ever coached. Um, and that's why I was able to look back. It's fun, actually, knowing I was coming on the show to go back and look at those first 10 people and be like, who were those people? And, you know, um, so 
There are some things that I do though. So I quite often, six months after I've worked with someone, gift them a coaching session. I actually learned it from a, a friend of mine who got it, who, who came up with it because she was like frustrated that she didn't know what was happening to her clients. And she was worried that they had, that things weren't going well for them. And so she was just like, well, I can just include this in my offer. I can all just, I can only always, because it's really nice for me. It's helpful. It's definitely helpful for them. Imagine as a, as a client, you get that as part of your, your package. Like that's really nice. Now I don't necessarily include it in my package, but I almost always reach out between six months and 12 months after working with somebody to say, I often do this for clients. I thought of you and would you like to do this? So that maintains those relationships. I do have a kind of system that when I finish working with someone, I explicitly ask for referrals at that point. Um, and I have, in relationship to those invitations that I learned from Carolyn Freya-Jones, I have got good at and braver through Stephen Pressfield as well, you know, that kind of thinking at reconnecting with people. You know, at, at, at when I think of someone, that I once coached, whether they were a client or not, someone who's in that ecosystem, if I think of them, I can just write to them and tell them I was thinking of them. And usually there's a reason for that. It's, you know, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but it's like, you know, I was reading this book just now and it reminded me of that conversation we had last year. Here's the book. If you're interested in it, link, you know, occasionally I'll send someone a book. You know, if I, if I'm just, if it's a client or a former client and I'm just reading something, I'm like, do you know what? you know, Alexa would love this book. And if I can, or I'll uh, sometimes ask for their address, I'll be like, here's, here's a thing. And trust that that generosity is, is valuable. And again, you get into people's consciousness again. And it's, it's actually remarkable sometimes how people will be like, you know, I was just thinking about you the other day. Um, and that, that may just be like a confirmation bias that you, I only remember the times when that happens, but sometimes it happens. And so, Rather than a system, although I do have some systemized bits, like the asking, always asking for referrals, usually offering a, a, a follow-up session, really I've got a mindset of uh, always be connecting with people. And that doesn't just mean, that doesn't mean like adding them on LinkedIn. It means like something more than that. Um, can I offer something to someone? Can I connect two people to each other? That kind of thing. And that's really my my customer relationship management system as far as i've got it <laughs> exactly yeah yeah um i love that yeah always always be going into it thinking holding the relationship to a, to a high standard i think is that's that's a smart way to go about things um when when you when you think about the craft of coaching outside of actually having coaching conversations which is where you constantly learn are there any other ways that you develop that craft yeah i mean look there are um there are multiple ways of doing that. There are many coach training organizations out there. My favorite, if people are looking for it, is Coaches Rising, who I, who I mentioned before. Their programs tend to be affordable compared to some other things that are out there. And they, uh, they have a podcast you can listen to. They, for me, they're at the cutting edge of coaching, which not, not every coaching organization is, and not everyone should be, right? But you know, we need people to be working on the fundamentals, but I'm interested in the cutting edge of things. And so their, their stuff lands really well for me. Receiving coaching is probably the quickest, uh, fastest way to learn um, all, what you need to know about running a coaching business. From everything from how you might want to run your sales or might not want to run your sales to, um, to what it's like to be a client so that you can support people 
in uh, in uh, um, when you're working with them. And um, you know, I, I wrote an article once trying to pull that all together. Like, why is like I know that that is the most useful thing that I've done to develop my craft and my business. And I tried, you know, again, I can send you a link for it. I tried to pull together all the reasons for that. It's a bit weird because it's a, it's a bit uncomfortable to write that article because it sounds like I might be saying, come and let me coach you. I des- desperately want you as a client, which isn't the case, but it's just a really important thing. I'd had a conversation with some new coaches and I'd realized they were asking all these questions, which would have been answered if any of them had ever hired their own coach, because they would have just learned like what it's like to be on the other side of those enrollment conversations. And I've learned exactly what I love to do and what I would, will never do. Um, from conversations I've had about people who, with people who might become my coach. Um, and I'm also a big fan of group coaching as a way to learn about coaching. Cause when you're in a group, especially a group of coaches, it's why that's, that's the place I mostly send coaches who want to work with me is to my community, because you get to learn, you get to be coached, you get to watch other people being coached as well. And there's just so much learning in, in there too. And what was your experience of? of setting up a group coaching program, like getting those first 10 coaches, coaches to be into that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've run a few different group coaching programs with varying levels of success. Um, and, uh, the first time I did it, it was hard work, but I essentially did it the same way that I create clients the other times. So I invited loads of coaches into free group coaching sessions I sent out like, I can't remember. I remember one week I sent out 40 invitations. It's like, it's a, it's a good growth practice. It's kind of hard work getting, you know, from that, I don't know, 25 no's in the space of, a, you know, or, or no answers in the space of a week. That's like, oh, it's a bit much to go through, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but good to do. Um, and, and then essentially went through my normal, went through the sales process I had at the time. So give, gift them an experience of group coaching with me. Why else would they buy group coaching with me except through knowing that? Um, then have a longer conversation with them one-on-one and then some of them become members. And that worked okay. The first year I had two members in that group coaching program. This is when I ran a kind of six month group coaching program. Second time, um, I had four and the third time I had three. And, and at that point, partly because, as I was just saying before we jumped on, um, so I'm not running that program this year. And partly that was because I realized that, because um, we were having a baby. And I, and, and I realized that I didn't want to have to have the energy to send lots and lots of invitations to manage that kind of administrative process of getting people in a row. So I flipped the way that I worked that and launched what is called the Coach's Journey Community. So I, there are a couple of other group programs that I've played in different ways with, which aren't for coaches um, with different levels of success that, that I could talk about. But the Coach's Journey Community is a really different way of working. So it's essentially a, a subscription model that I run through Patreon, which means that people can join and leave whenever they want. There's it, it, and, and when I'm thinking of new ways to work, I'm always, I, I realized this when I was creating this community. I'm always trying to solve multiple problems at once. What I want really is a is a new way of working which solves a few problems in my business. So I had a problem. Uh, I'm going to be tired because we're having a new baby. Um, therefore, I can't run the group coaching program. What's a thing I could run which still allows me to do this work with coaches that I, that I love doing, but which won't take um, all that energy? Also, I've, I'm, I'm wondering about 
is, are there some people for whom a six-month intensive group coaching program is not the right thing? So can I create something where people can just drop in and drop out whatever's right for them? Um, and also in the back of my mind, I know that some coaches are struggling with their money conversations, with their business. Can I create something that at one level, at least, is really affordable? And so that the Coaches Journey community is my attempt to do that. And by this point, actually, the enrollment was relatively straightforward because I had, um, it's a really different structure, but I have, I have a podcast for coaches. My community of coaches in my network has grown over years um, of me being interested in the craft and talking about it, it sometimes. Um, and so actually that was then, it became a relative, and I had a set of former clients who could join this, this community. And so it, that became a relatively... Uh, painless process, except that I procrastinated on it for about six months before, um, before it launched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> you are human after all. Um, okay. That's really, yeah, that's great. I love how you kind of, again, you, you planted so many seeds over the years that when it came to launch this new pandemic style community, you were able to quickly pull together people who knew you and trusted you and, and build from there. I think that's, that's a really smart use of your time and they get a lot of value from the group coaching. Yeah. And it's, it's part of the other, I guess the, we haven't really talked about it, but the other side of my business model, which isn't really what I've been, it's like, I haven't set out to do this particularly, but I have over the last five or six years created a body of work. And a body of work is another way um, to create business. And that's more what happened with the Coaches Journey community. There's a body of work that I've made out there for coaches. I have other bodies of work as well. Um, Although in some ways, because that's the best defined, I think it's the most successful. And that's what I'm going to be working on probably in the next phase of my business with that new definition, right? Is I need to curate and create and make really explicit the bodies of work about leadership and creativity. Um, But I had that body of work. So people already knew me. So then when the offer came and it's like, oh, I could join this thing from just, just 10 pounds a month. They know me, even if they haven't worked with me already, they know me through the podcast or through the articles or, or, or through the videos or whatever it is. And they, they, they can just say yes to that with trust. Um, whereas in the enrollment process, if we think about what I was talking about before, where you gift a coaching, you have, maybe you have a coffee, like that client, right? That early client, have a, a gift or offer a coaching conversation. She says, no, let's have a coffee. We have the coffee. You know, we already knew each other, but we're connecting deeper in a different way. We have the coaching session. By the end of that, she really trusts me. And paying a few hundred pounds for some coaching is is just like a, a really sensible thing for her to do. In a way, the body of work shortcuts some of that, because uh, as does a referral, because it it, it allows um, these people to say yes. I totally trust that this will be. And some of them come in at the ten pound um, membership, and some of them come straight in at the hundred odd pound membership. Uh, and what's what I think has been interesting is some people I didn't know have come in at that at that level. So, it, you know, it's not like, I thought what would happen is the people I didn't know would come in at the bottom and they'd creep yeah, their way yeah, up. Yeah. But actually, for some people, they know me enough from from the things that I've created in the world that they're just, no, I'm, I'm in for this. Um, and that body of work is not to be, it's not necessary, mm-hmm. especially in coaching. Like you can absolutely create a coaching business without a website, without any body of work. Um, and people who, who tell you otherwise are lying. Um, there's some amazing coaches out there who, well, they, their website is like, um, you know, email me here. Yeah. And that's yeah, it. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I've had a few people on my podcast who it's that. And that's great. You can absolutely do that. Um, you know, everyone should always remember that. And it can be a cool thing to do to create a body of work mm. because that takes some of the pressure off 
later on and enables you to just, you know, which is what happens in lots of other industries, right? I'm sure you've had lots of other guests like that, you know, where you build the, you build the, the, the community or the mailing list or whatever it is, and then you create something for them. And then some people will buy that because they already know you. Hmm. I love that. Um, I just realized that the, the time and I've taken so much of your time, maybe as a last question, um, uh, and it's what they ask all oh, my guests, what, what is the main piece of advice you would give to someone who's just starting out to find their first 10 customers? Mm. In my industry or in any industry? Uh, in your industry, because, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many, Connor, that it could be. <laughs> but I think it's um, it's probably just coach, mm. right? It's like, just coach a lot of people. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not quite that. So it's like, let me, it's maybe two. It's coach... And then it's it's like know how you're going to talk about your work. Mm. So one of the things I learned from um, a coach that I thought I was talking to about him becoming my coach, uh, and I don't know if he didn't think that or it was like a blind date where he like turn you turn up and they see you and they leave. <laughs> but we had this long coffee for like ninety minutes, and he at no point I thought I'd been really explicit contacting him. At no point in that did he talk to me or reference that we might work together. Hmm. And I just decided I would never, I made sure I would never do that again to anyone because it was just a weird thing and it's bad for business. Yeah. Um, so it's just like always, always have the way hmm. for people to work with you. Hmm. So, so it's like, in fact, even in some of those invitations that I talked about, um, you could, you could be honest, right? At the start of the one where you've said you, it's not about sales. You could, if you, if you want to, you can caveat that at the start by saying, look, this is not about sales. I'm not trying to create, you know, make you work with me, but I do have a deal with myself where if I spend time with someone who I know, or I really, really fully hundred percent believe I could help, I'll tell them that. Mm. So, you know, that's not why we're here, but I might, you know, I want to warn you that. So it doesn't feel weird when, I, if I do it later on, you can even create the conditions to do that. So it's like coach and coach a lot of people because that's how you'll learn everything about how to describe your work, about how you want to work, all that kind of thing. Um, better to have some clients paying you 30 quid a go than to have no clients. Um, and like make it possible for people to work with you. Give them the chance to say yes. Uh, and you know, if we had another hour, we could talk about how that might, um, you know, how that might, how we might do that. But I think that in some way, having that, having that thought in mind is, is really important. Brilliant. That is Oh, thank you so much. There's so much in that. Uh, it was a great place to wrap up this episode. Yeah, there are so many other things we could talk about because in, in just six years, I think you've gained so much experience experience by doing. Um, and again, generous as always, you're, you're sharing all the, the bits and bobs that are that will really help people who are out there kind of going, how do I do this? Or what do I what do, I do next? Um, so thank you on behalf of my listeners and me. Um, yeah, I'll include, if there's anything else you'd like to, to say now, I'll obviously include all your contact details in the show notes. And I highly, highly encourage everyone to go check out your website, robbyswell.com. It's all your details there. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Uh, no, it sh- my website should be robbyswell.com. It's actually robbyswellcoaching.com. Although maybe I need to buy robbyswell.com because really it should be that because um, there's so much on, more on there than that. Um yeah, no, what I'd say is um, if you're a coach listening, do check out thecoachesjourney.com as well because there's so much resources resource there. Like, I And I have absolutely learned by doing. Like that has absolutely, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you can kind of see that. 
And, you know, really that's what I'd encourage everyone to do, um, you know, on, on, as they start their business, right? Because even if the business you're starting isn't the business you're always going to run, if you're learning while you're doing it, then, you know, no, it's going to, it's like planting seeds for you for the future too. Such wisdom. Thank you, Robbie. You're very kind. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Next time on the First 10 Podcast, Matt Olpinski shares his journey from building websites for friends and family to starting the Freelance Institute. That and more on the next episode of the First 10 Podcast. Hello, everyone. Robbie here again. I hope you enjoyed hearing back that conversation between Connor and me. Um, Before you go on to whatever else you've got going on in the rest of your day, I just wanted to let you know about four ways today that you could support the Coach's Journey podcast. Actually, maybe it's five. So one would be, as I said at the start of the show, if you're interested in some free training from some of the leaders in the coaching field, um, sign up for the WBEX free um, summit. Uh, You can do that via the link in the show notes from whenever the uh, registration opens, which I think is the 17th of May. Um, and or you can do it from the page, the episode page at thecoachesjourney.com. And, and that's just a very small way of you getting something great and do, supporting the podcast in a tiny way. Um, tell someone about the show. Write a review, leave a rating on Spotify, leave a rating on iTunes, um, write a review, subscribe. Those things really help new people find the podcast too. Follow us and find us on social media. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn. It'd be great to have you join us there. Again, helps helps other people find the show. Um, and if you want to support the show even more, you can join the Coach's Journey community. Um, we have 10 calls a year. Um, you can join from as little as £10 a month and up to about £100 a month. Um, and that you get to be my client, um, get to be coached by me on these calls, get to be connected to other coaches who want to thrive and create thriving businesses. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a flexible um, and affordable way of working with me and, and getting me as your coach and getting my support with you to to go to the next level of success, whatever that is for you. Um, and one of the um, one of the members of the community said this beautiful thing on the call um, last uh, a couple of months ago, which was that in the WhatsApp group that the members have, something that they created that I'm not a part of, but it's an amazing part of the of the community. Um, the word that gets used to describe the experience of being a member of the Coaches Journey community is beautiful. And if you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to be a member of the community, you can become a supporter. Um, you pay a certain amount of, of, of money every month um, and you get a, a few little extras from me, um, but it's really a way of helping keep the podcast going and help it reach new people. So you can find out more about becoming a member of the community at thecoachesjourney.com slash community. And you can sign up to be a member or a supporter at patreon.com slash thecoachesjourney. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful month and we'll be back again with an episode in June.